right. I think we're ready to go. Uh, let's go. So, hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome to this episode today of The Wise Banter. I'm your host, Shalia Roby, and I have someone super special here with me today. Um, his name is Quentin. Mm-hmm. Quentin Samuel. What's happening? Um, this is somebody I truly look up to, um, and I would consider someone who is a moral leader. It's like and literally and figuratively, right? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so short. Already. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so good to know those aren't off the table. Nope. All right, cool. I'm with it. <laughs> so someone I see as a moral leader in my sphere, um, and I just want to chat today. We're going to chat today about what it means to even be a moral leader, mm-hmm. what that looks like. Um, if you consider yourself such and, you know, why I consider you such. Um, so let's just jump into it. Mm-hmm. So. Can I can I first say before you jump go, in, go. I want to say, um, let me say hello to everyone. Oh, my bad. Uh, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but secondly, I feel like you put me in some like big shoes, classifying oh. me as a, a moral leader. I don't, it's like major shoes because of like who you think about when you hear mm-hmm. the term moral leader, yeah. these figures that pop into your head. And it's like, um, hmm, I don't know if I quite live up to that. But, you know, I received the flowers. Wow. Yes. Why you can smell them. Why you can smell them. Absolutely. You know, and it's so interesting that, you know, you said the names you think of when mm-hmm. you hear moral leader. Um, and we think of the big names, of course. Mm-hmm. MLK is probably the first one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we mm-hmm. think about uh, Nelson Mandela, mm-hmm. these huge figures. Um, but I, I kind of want to kind of bring it down to the importance of the moral leaders that we... Um, come encounter and have access or are accessible to us Mm -hmm. um, and how much more impact they make on us than the people that we see, Mm -hmm. you know, hugely widely, Um, which leads me to my first question. Does tons of people have to know you in order to be a moral leader? No. um, But before before I ask that question, can I ask you a question? Uh Um, Why is it important to you that moral leadership is accessible? Just in how you frame the question and how you began it, it kind of implied that that there's something about it that seems very kind of in the clouds a little bit, mm-hmm. almost abstract. Yeah. And why is it? Why does it matter to ground it? So ground the concept. It for me, it's something different when you can get inspired from. You know, I love Rihanna. Rihanna mm-hmm. inspires me. Mm-hmm. Um, to see her from a distance to inspire me that way, but to have someone who is in proximity to me, mm-hmm. who I can see their level of influence and change. Um, I can, I can see the progression. I can. It's something different um, for me, in particular. And yeah, it's it's like those are the people who are silently affecting. The community, they don't get the praise, they don't get anything, but most of us wouldn't be the people that we are if we yeah. hadn't had our favorite teacher rub up, on, uh, up against us the yeah. right way mm-hmm. or, you know, different things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, cool. I, I just wanted to get a sense of, like, yeah. where you were and your thinking um, and why that was important. It, it's, it definitely sounded important, so I'm glad you were able yeah. to elaborate on it. Um, but, yes, your first question. So 
do you have to be known by so many in order to be considered a moral leader? No, I think that's a, for some people who fall in that category, I think that's a byproduct mm. of how they live their lives yeah. and how they've made choices to do things that other people would deem unconventional, mm -hmm. do things that would that would cause them to have to sacrifice um, some of the normal trappings of what we accept to be like day-to-day -day life and comfort and and do it for the sake of something that is um, that is usually an ideal or a value system. Uh, so whenever we see that show up in the world and we see it magnified on a great scale, that's when the person becomes popular, oh, yeah. famous, uh, well-known, um, deemed to be uh, someone that we put up on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. um, but moral leadership, um, I think, can live within the day-to-day -day lives of every single person. Mm -hmm. I think we all have opportunities to step into that role. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that we have to live in that role 24-7, mm -hmm. but I think the, the misnomer is that you know, even the, the people that we admire, for some people even idolize, that there were moments where they aren't necessarily wearing those clothes. Yeah. Where, where they're just normal people laughing, joking, having a good time, maybe, you know, eating their favorite food or kicking back, <laughs> watching, listening to their favorite music, dancing, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, um, so no, I, I think... Um, uh, and not only do I believe that the everyday person can access it, I think that one of the inherent challenges with moral leadership is our ability to see it when it shows up. Mm -hmm. And so we overlook examples of moral leadership because it's not packaged in the way that we've come to know or or have come to accept the narrative of what moral leadership could be. Yeah. So... So it could be very something as simple as, um, um, you know, being a mentor mm -hmm. to a young child um, at an after school program. And we may see that as just something that someone is doing. They're just volunteering their time. Yeah. Um, you know, working for Habitat for Humanity and building a house on the weekend. Um, it could also be. Um, the 2 a.m. phone call uh, between two friends that prevents one of the friends from doing something detrimental to them or to someone else. Mm. Um, say if someone is seeking to retaliate against someone else because of violence that took place against a family member or a brother or sibling, and then someone talks them off that ledge. Yeah. You know, that to me is also an example of moral leadership. Got it. When the person might be very well justified in retaliating, but someone convinces them to do the alternative. So, so, but we don't always see it. You know, it doesn't. It's invisible. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's like something that I have actually been um, perplexed by or struggling with. Um, so to speak, uh, it's, it is my belief that there is 
um, a generation or specifically I'm a millennial. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a millennial? No. Mm-mm. Oh. Mm-mm. I'm you. Generation X. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always get oh. mistaken for a millennial, but I'm not. <laughs> you're not that Mm-mm. cool. <laughs> nope. Nope. I am aging, but aging gracefully. I'm cool. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I believe that, you know, there is a generation that is really um, hungry or thirsty for direction, um, but are unable to identify it in the place because the place that where they're looking is um, – saturated and there's a lack of moral leaders in the place they're looking Mm -hmm. so we have social media like Mm -hmm. as much as we want to make it a small thing it's a huge thing it's how a lot of people live their lives connect Mm -hmm. move um everything and because this place is so saturated um i feel like people go to social media looking for answers looking for you know certain things but why 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 do you think that is because what? i believe there's a need i really do believe there's a need i i believe that you know we're the smartest like so to speak um factually the most informed generation as far as getting information and how how educated you know we are but i think there's a lack of moral and ethical dynamics to the way we do life Mm -hmm. and I I believe that we're searching out that um, but the thing that's in and the thing that's popping and you know so how I want to know how we search for moral leaders in that fluff like and you know it seems like the people who are actually doing things they are the people who don't get the attention. It's the people who, you know, are trending um, and connected to our affections and 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 motives that are prosper or who are given that title mm-hmm. of moral leadership. Um, and so it it confuses me when I do believe that the librarian at the local library that's Mm -hmm. encouraging children to read is a moral leader and should be getting that. But it's the, uh, it's the Quavo donates money to, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) to a thing. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that's a moral leader. But you know, they just have the appearance of so I'm I'm really struggling. Okay, so maybe what might be helpful is, um, uh, well, first help me understand how you're defining moral leadership. Okay, because I I think that will help to frame, and and I'll share what what I think the definition means, um, but it'll give us a sort of grounding point. Yeah. To, to to respond to what your concern is. So I believe moral leadership is, you know, the people who um, really are involved in, how can I put it, the... <laughs> See, this is, okay, so this is, this is the hard part because morals differ. 
for so many different people. This is why that's why I asked you. Okay, so Mm -hmm. morals and ethics they differ for so many different people, but I do believe they're just common like ways of life that are like, and and I can't necessarily put a pin on it, but like if we use the scope of um, MLK Mm -hmm. and fighting for civil rights, Mm -hmm. people's right to do things or people's right to opportunities, um, to have a voice, to, um, you know, do different things. And it usually is something that pushes against the narrative that is already stable. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and But I don't limit that to what a moral leader is. It just seems like that most moral leaders are pushing against or fighting against um, something that has already established itself as a norm that is... Um, hurting, oppressive, or, you know, something to other people. Moral leaders care about other people. If if that that's what I can use, they care about other people, not just in a regular care, but um, I'll sacrifice or I'll suffer for other people. Hmm. Okay. Um, and... Okay. So, so can, um, can someone who is committed to the environment be a moral leader? I think so. Because they're not directly engaging in work that has an immediate impact, but it may have a long-term impact on humanity. Yeah. I I believe it, but I believe they have... Okay, for me, their lives are dedicated to it, Mm -hmm. though. It's not something that they slip in and out to of, you know, I think we're all capable of doing moral things or having spaces where we do, you know, embody moral leadership, but being a moral leader, I believe it's something you're dedicated to, like you've committed yourself uh, to. Okay, okay, okay. So now this is a different, this, okay. All right, so, <laughs> so being dedicated does, hmm. He got all the questions, y'all. He about to, he want to ask another question right now. I, I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. I am. I am. All right. So I, I guess where my challenge is in the – how am I to, to determine someone else's level of dedication to something? What are the markers for that? So, so do I have to – do I have to die for me to be legitimately dedicated? Do I have to spend 26 years in prison for me to be legitimately dedicated? Do I have to um, forsake all things in the world to be dedicated? Um, no, not in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But because we're human, we have humanity. Mm-hmm. There's moments like my humanity is, my humanity is, is, going to allow me to have moments or consistent moments where I'm not I could not be looked at as a moral leader mm-hmm. again I'll bring back MLK it's mm-hmm. a lot of things that he did that would be like oh, bruh what mm-hmm. like you know what I mean but at the end of the day um, you know unfortunately because I, I don't believe people should have to die to be a moral leader mm-hmm. um you know, shout out to Barack Obama really being alive right now. Looking good. Right, right. <laughs> so 
so in some ways, this um, this and, and I know we're spending a lot of time on on this little mm-hmm. piece right here, but I think it's important to really unpack how we're using these terms because, um, so I hear you mention Dr. King, and I'm I'm wondering in my mind, do you are you going to someone like Dr. King because there's something inherent within the definition of moral leadership that has to do with the ultimate output. Um, so so what if what if you're working, for example, let's say let's say I'm working on something and it doesn't come to fruition in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, am I still able to qualify as a moral leader so. if the output didn't necessarily match what happened during my time. So, mm-hmm. like, where, where does that stop and, you know, where does it begin and where does it end? Yeah, I don't and, think, again, I don't think life and death is the, the point, you mm-hmm. know. I think it's the work. It's the who's impacting, impacting mm-hmm. you know, and different things like that, which is why we see communities who have people die and even in that small community, they're very they're held with such high esteem in that community, even though the world doesn't know them. Yeah. But in their community, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he did that mm-hmm. or she did that. Um, so I don't really think death has a, a big toll on it. But let me ask you this because mm-hmm. I'm asking you the question. I know, I know, I know, I know. I keep turning the but but you only be cute if you. Didn't. I know, I know. Only because I want I want to make sure that I'm responding to what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and your questions have me mentally thinking about a lot of different things at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, so that's why I ask the clarifying okay. questions. Um, but go ahead, I go ahead. I'll let you. So, (laughs) (laughs) what are some of the practices and habits of moral leaders to you? Hmm. Um, uh, Number one, and this is not in, like, any particular order of, like, Mm -hmm. importance, but uh, number one... A moral leader, ha- a moral leader responds to a call, mm-hmm. call C A L L, and cause C A U S E, bigger than themselves. Yeah, I think that is a grounding, fundamental component of what makes one a moral leader. Mm-hmm. Um, it cannot be self-serving. It has to be altruistic in some ways. Um, but it, it, it has to be you, you have to be living for something bigger than your own life and what you can gain from it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, the a moral leader needs to understand his, her, or their limits. Mm. Uh, I think that's important because um, we have to constantly be careful of falling into this idea of the Messiah complex, uh, um, feeling as though we can save the world and transform the world all by ourselves. 
See, um, Jesus, they told me to be like you, and now I'm trying to work on mm-hmm. undoing this complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it, it's really? it's very dangerous. Very. And and if you don't take the time to know your limits, you will end up causing harm to you and to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with knowing your limits, also knowing, also being able to identify the community. Of, of, of individuals that have particular gifts that you don't have mm. to bring them along with you in whatever the cause or call that you feel that you have. Um, um, in addition to knowing one's limits, being honest about one's own insecurities mm. Um, knowing what they're capable of. Yes, yes, yes. Knowing their capacity to trip you up along mm-hmm. the way. Um, I think moral leaders cannot. <laughs> one cannot self-prescribe themselves to be a moral leader. <laughs> the community has to yes. has to has to has to place that on you. Mm-hmm. That I, I think. And this is getting back to what you asked me earlier, where social media kind of ties into this whole idea is that, you know, we think about someone like Dr. King. We think about the Montgomery bus boycott and how the figures of the community selected King. King didn't right. say, you know what, I need to be the one out in front exactly. speaking because I'm the most qualified or I'm the most whatever. Da, 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 da. You know, it was the community that rallied and said, you know what, as we're looking around, we think you are the one to be the voice of reason to the city of Montgomery, to the state of Alabama, to champion our cause, to be the person that gets up and preaches and speaks on our behalf, that the community has to draw you out of it, draw the qualities and the characteristics that you have within yourself out of you in order to serve the place that those gifts could be most helpful. And we are finding now so many people trying to push themselves to the front. Yes, exactly. Everybody, It's like a rat race. Even I'm going to be honest, even this presidential election, Mm -hmm. it's been so hard for me Mm -hmm. to follow because it's so many people trying to force their way Mm -hmm. into this moral leadership role. Mm -hmm. And then now we suffer with, Oh, we got to pick one. We got to choose. And then mm-hmm. there's people who are actually qualified for it that are like, I'm not even going to attend. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 the thing. Usually moral leaders don't want it. Yeah. Most in, in many situations, you'll find all of the people that we can list, you know, and go down the whole list. Nine of out of those 10 people didn't really have a desire to necessarily be propelled into this role into this leadership role, Mm -hmm. they were responding to a deep call. And what I will say is that, um, and you've probably seen this before, and many people have, that there's something, when when you see someone responding to, like, the call of their soul, Mm -hmm. it, like, oozes from their pores. And and they're not (laughs) trying to be or do anything. It's just like, you know, I, I always say I personally have a belief where I love to follow a good leader. Mm-hmm. Like, like if there's somebody who is a great leader, mm-hmm. I don't care what they need me to do. I'm like, 
you know, I'll help, I'll sign up, I'll whatever. And, um, and in most cases, so many of those aspects and characteristics, they just come innately. Um, you know, we, we talk, uh, we just, um, commemorated 50 years since, um, the assassination of Fred Hampton. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, and you think about, um, him as this sort of very charismatic figure at such a young age, his early twenties, you know, he's, he's galvanizing, you know, these communities of people from different backgrounds and experiences. And it's almost like the clothes were tailor made for him. And the clothes I'm describing is like the clothes of like righteousness and leadership and, and fortitude and commitment. And like how Saul's clothes didn't fit David, but David, the moment David realized I can't fit these clothes, it was like his clothes were just like, Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and, and there's just something, I mean, Tupac is another figure. Like there's a, you know, I know some people have questionable, ideas about oh does he fit into the category of moral leadership blah 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 Tupac was a real thug but that's my personal opinion I mean you know that's (laughs) that's also a question but one thing that you cannot deny is him his impact on the masses Mm -hmm. and when he spoke Mm -hmm. and how articulate he was and how um you know how 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 much he was able to engage the populace and speak on behalf of communities who've been disenfranchised and marginalized for so long, and to be such a voice of clarity and reason in ways that the masses could understand why people were so angry and frustrated and um, and why people had rage. Yeah. Um, you know, these, these figures are just, they, they come once in a generation. I was just gonna sometimes. say, yeah. how do you feel about how often they pop up? Because in my generation currently, and you want to say like, oh, there's a moral leader. Like, I have to sit and think about it for a little second. Whether honestly. there is one. Yeah, like, or not that whether there is one, because I'm sure there are moral mm-hmm. leaders. But you know, for me, like, who do who do I see out there championing a cause right now, or cha- like, you know, pushing? for you know what they believe and this might sound crazy um but because of my context um especially with um you know mental illness and mental health advocacy which is something I'm super passionate about I really believe that Charlemagne um is someone that could be seen for me as a moral leader mm-hmm. because um what he's make he's making black men feel comfortable mm-hmm. about their trauma mm-hmm. and that and that's a that's something huge mm-hmm. that that needs to be addressed that needs to be talked about mm-hmm. and he's he's coming after that and he's being an example he's laying his his skin out on the line and showing um you know how, what it took for him to go through these things mm-hmm. and it's inspiring people to say I'm going to deal with my anxieties mm-hmm. um a lot of people and yeah so it might be like someone like him, but again, it might be get I might get the pushback the same way Tupac. Yeah, like, you know yeah. the discussion of Tupac because Charlemagne has the capability to not be moral all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. you know, and and yes, and and the other piece that I would add to that is that, um, um, uh, not not only does the community have to place that mantle on you, 
history has to place the mantle mm. on you because the same figures that we now consider to be these great moral leaders during their time were villainized, were ostracized, and by many of the same people that 50 years later will now say they are the greatest, greatest. of all time and whatever. They were like, I mean, are you, you crazy? Know, exactly. We yeah. mentioned Dr. King, but in the last two years of his life, you know, Everybody he was, was deemed mad. to be the most hated <laughs> figure in America. Yeah. You know, and so much of that resentment and hate came from his the same community who five years earlier was praising his his mm-hmm. leadership and his qualities. Mm-hmm. But once he turned his attention to to economics and to war and to Vietnam and to all of these other aspects, he lost favor of, mm-hmm. you know, the same people he was seeking to help. Um, you know, so I think history has to play a major part in how um, in how one can be classified as a moral leader. And and you look at all of these figures back to your Charlemagne point. um, I guess the problem I would say with what I'm witnessing now is that people are looking for one person mm. to be the Moses that yep. pushes us through the exodus of racism and the exodus so of good. poverty and the exodus of like divided communities and there will be some figure that can speak to the Pharaoh mm. and convinces the Pharaoh that the way that the Pharaoh has been operating is wrong. Is wrong. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's very problematic. Because even in the times where we can identify our most devoted moral leaders, there were 15 other moral leaders who now we can look back and say Bayard Rustin and and say, you know, Stokely Carmichael and talk about the wonderful women who served and Dorothy Hyden and um, and uh, Ella Baker and and other other fantastic individuals who've committed their lives to this work um, but may not get the same recognition mm-hmm. uh, in the same way but they sit right next to King in the pantheon of, of like of oh, who would be deemed yeah. as moral leaders um, and so you know history has to play a part and then we also have to have to separate ourselves from this idea of a, of a singular individual who will come and transform the the future of the funny this idea is a weird phrase but uh it's almost kind of an oxymoron but the future of history yeah um i get that yeah i don't know if that makes sense (laughs) it's a weird phrase but it's like yeah it's like history like history to come yeah exactly um the history that hasn't happened yet Yeah. yeah and so um but where do we get that from do you see the models of everything that we of why it's like the yeah. way it is now? No, I mean, like, just even in Western uh, religion. Oh, because we... we It's always one person. It's never one person. No, but I'm saying, like... It's still never one person. It's still never one person, but our minds always wrap to one person. Because that's, that's easiest for us to comprehend. Yeah. Jesus... It, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a way. Um, um, I I can't see myself in fifty people. 
I can see myself in one. And we find a model that, that works for us, for different people. It's different figures, religiously or just yeah. culturally or whomever. Because I rock with Paul, for real, for real. Right. I mean, of course, I rock with Jesus. <laughs> so um, I have problems with Paul, but that's that's for another. I have major problems with you Paul. You know, me too, but, but um, I, I understand <laughs> him because of <laughs> So I think, um, yeah, I think I, I, you, you, you have to, you're, you're looking for individual human characteristics that can allow you to access the divine. So that, so, so the things that we hold in high regard of who we deem to be moral leaders are because they are pointing to something within us that mm. speaks to our mm. ideas about who God is and represents those characteristics yeah. of, um, of caring, of love, of commitment, of sacrifice, of leadership, of being able to communicate ideas. Like these are all, you know, God being able to communicate the idea of creation, saying it, and then it happens. Like mm -hmm. all of these things that are now represented in the embodiment of these figures is because these figures are pointing us to a value system, to an, a set of ideals that have to do with how we understand or how we believe like who God is. <laughs> I got it. Right. Whether it actually is or not, it's it's all in about the narratives that we create, mm -hmm. which is why we elevate this figure over some folks in Germany elevated Hitler to a certain right. degree. Right. And and that, that was that was their moral leader. I was just gonna say, so can you have qualities of you know <laughs> Can you be this moral figure and have qualities that are kind of like they're still answering the qualities of a moral figure, but it's on a neck like it's completely different. Does that make them like? Yeah, because they did. They had to assume but, some part of him was moral. But that's why the the addendum of history having to tell the story. Yeah. Will make will make a definition yep. true. Yep. Um, wow. And that's that was like, heavy. What you yeah, just said was it's um, yeah. I mean that's that that yeah. is a good phrase. Yeah, His, good. <laughs> history makes definitions true. Yeah. Like it's um, it's um, it, it you have to be able to assess it over time in mm -hmm. order for it to to really um be something that we could deem to be healthy for society. We need time. At the, yeah, at the time, yeah. at the time, those people who supported that felt it was right and they were completely wrong mm. but something whatever he was saying i don't know what in the world he could have been saying that could have convinced people that what he was saying was the moral way to go ethnic cleansing is the way we get closer to god by ridding the earth of you know yeah. people who you know that that's that's atrocious to me uh, um but some way it resonated with you know some people yeah. with some people but it wasn't until history has lived itself out to that say, we're able to say oh, no. that was completely Not the wrong way yet. to go. Yeah. Got it. That's that's like huge. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That's like one of the major takeaways I'm going to take from this conversation mm -hmm. was history. Um, so uh, so uh, Warren Bennis and Joan Goldsmith, they wrote a book called Learning to Lead. Um, and it's a workbook on becoming a leader. Mm -hmm. So they talk about six 
competencies of a successful leader. And I kind of just want to throw them at you mm-hmm. so so that, you know, just to kind of discuss them briefly before we wrap up. Okay. Um, but the first one is mastering the context. Mm. And I want you to tell me which one stands out to you the most sure. before we start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mastering the context. Um, two, knowing yourself. Three, creating a vision. Four, communicating with meaning. Five, building trust through integrity. And six, realizing intentions through actions. Okay, read, read them one more time for me. Mm-hmm. Mastering the context, knowing, knowing yourself, creating a vision, communicating with meaning, building trust through integrity, and realizing intentions through actions. I don't know if these are in a specific order of, you know, what you want. Yeah, yeah, of importance. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know some of these I would put before others. Right, but. right. So let, let, which one stood out to you? Yeah, there was one that absolutely stood out. Um, communicating with meaning mm-hmm. is the one that that stood out the most because the other the other five are 75% or greater the responsibility of the leader. Mm. The one that I isolated is at least 50% responsibility of each party. Mm. Um, that you wow. can build yeah. trust mm-hmm. and you can have huge social capital because of the trust that people have in you. But if you can't communicate the vision that you wrote Mm -hmm. because you knew who you were um, and because you understood the context. um, You can't be in intention. You you cannot lead. That leadership is so intrinsic. uh, Well, communicating with meaning is so intrinsic to leadership. Um, that people, in order for people to walk next to you, I don't believe this idea of wanting people to follow you. Mm. In order for people to walk next to you, they have to, yeah. I'm talking about him. They have to, (laughs) they have to trust that where your feet are going is, is a place where they should put their feet. Mm -hmm. Um, um. It's like a um uh, uh you you've done like like the potato sack yeah. race, right? Yeah. And you have the the two joined together and then the one foot is out and the not not the potato sack, is it the oh, the, the one the one, one where the three two legged race. Yes, that's what the it is. That's what I'm thinking race. about. The three legged race. Like like the the three legged race really only works well really only works to the to the degree with which you can communicate how to do this race together with the person that you're joined with at the leg. Um, It's not as much about trust, but you all have to say, okay, look, on three, 
this leg. We're going we're going to lift this one up. Yeah. And then, you know, and then eventually we'll get the rhythm. Mm-hmm. But if we don't communicate with each other, yeah. We're just going to fall. Yeah. And so um you know, all of the major figures who we've deemed to be moral leaders from Moses saying, let my people go to I have a dream to, um, you know, the measure of a person to Mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela to all of these figures usually have a quotable attached to them. They do. Usually they do. Um, And there's something about the way language translates to one's heart to inspire motivation to do something yeah um so i have to be able to articulate myself well enough not for me but for your understanding it doesn't matter whether i understand it i can't respond if i don't get the message exactly exactly and so the brilliance, and I know we keep referencing Dr. King, and that's fine, um, because because he's a good model for what we're describing now. But his brilliance is being able to talk to the Ivory Tower, mm-hmm. to talk to Capitol Hill, yeah, and to talk to the sanitation worker, mm-hmm. and to talk to the deacon board, all within the same two sentences. Like, that's the brilliance of fantastic communicators because they can place nuggets in the things that they say that no matter where you are, you can grab at it in some way, shape, or form. So that's the one I think I've seen all the other ones represented in people. Mm -hmm. But that one, that's the one that separates the chaff from the wheat. That's the one that separates the good from the great. That particular one. Yeah. Communicating with meaning. Mm-hmm. And with meaning is the key phrase, yeah. too. Because you have some people that are very gifted at communicating, but they don't say nothing. Not a damn thing they in don't the know, world. They don't know what the hell. <laughs> what are, what literally sounds Sounds beautiful. great, but it's empty. Like, yeah, so empty. Yeah. So, and then you, in the moment, you're like, oh, man, the words. Oh, did you? I'm going to tell you, that happens <laughs> at a lot of these churches. <laughs> yes. A lot, like I so mean, many. I, so heard, many. I heard someone says, if you got a knock on the door, that's not your door. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like, ooh, ooh. yeah. <laughs> and then I sat there and I said, well, my scripture, hold on. Right, right. <laughs> and I said, knock, and the door shut right, open. Right, and, and so it's in those moments there, I think uh, your spot on communicating with meaning is... <laughs> like huge it's huge it really Mm -hmm. is because it's the one thing i also think it's to me it shows that integrity that you need to build Mm -hmm. trust through Mm -hmm. that meaning to me is what shows it because you have to be careful with it because you can give misinformation you Mm -hmm. can wreck somebody's life Mm -hmm. with the things that you're saying yeah um so uh i i really i i feel that one too and Mm -hmm. Wrapped in meaning, when I hear communicate with meaning, I hear communicate with intention. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's the part for me that 
again bring it back to is what you're doing mm -hmm. what what is what is the output to mm -hmm. what you're actually doing mm -hmm. um because it's now nowadays everybody wants to be seen mm -hmm. everybody wants to be seen Quentin, thank you. You are very welcome. I appreciate you so very much. Mm -hmm. uh, this again is Quentin Samuels, so gifted, um, uh, amazing mind, and someone thank I you. again do consider a moral leader. <laughs> and uh, seriously, y'all heard this man talking. Y'all heard him. Size, shoe size <laughs> twenty five, and I wear twelve. Hey, and I just can't. Mm. I'll try. You know, every day we every day we try to live. Who's to it, trying you know? to make you wear a size twenty five? I'm just saying a moral. You know, what again, size like, you wear? Twelve. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A moral that's leaders. the size of a moral leader. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Your shoe size is the shoe size you're supposed to be in. I'll take that. Cause I don't think Dr. King wore size twenty five. No, he he was a short. He was a shorter yeah, guy. Yeah, he probably like, was like a ten. Right, right, somewhere <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Wise Banter podcast. I appreciate you. Until next time. Yep. Out. For sure.